0: God bless you this morning, so I just want to commend you for taking time out of your Saturday and your weekend, really, to commit to seek the Lord, and the Bible promises that if we seek the Lord with all of our heart, that he will be found by us. He makes himself available, accessible, and what a privilege it is to seek the Lord with brothers in Christ, and so thank you so much for the invitation, Pastor Ray, and always a joy to come and see you fellas and what God continues to do here at the church. If you have your Bibles, if you'd open with me now to the book of Acts chapter one, draw your attention to verse eight this morning. I wanna consider with you what it is to be a spirit-filled man. And this is the passage where we will begin, but I will tell you in advance that you will have an opportunity to turn some pages today because I want you to see certain passages for yourself I want you to read it. I want you to grasp it and comprehend it. And uh, it'll make more sense that way. So Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8, if you'd follow along with me. These are the words of Jesus. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Will you pray with me, guys? Father, today we thank you for this promise in your word, that there is power available for every man, for every person, Lord, who will receive the work of the Holy Spirit. Speak to us today, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Following his death, resurrection, Jesus gave his disciples specific instructions before returning back to glory. He gave them what is known as the Great Commission, which stated, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And no doubt, when the command was given to the men in the early church, it seemed so far away, it seemed so out of reach. <clears throat> go into all the world. How? Most of these men had never really traveled that far outside of Galilee. How could they ever fulfill this task and accomplish this mission? It became very clear that it couldn't be done in their own strength. They needed power from heaven. And so Jesus promised to provide everything that they needed through the person and work of the Holy Spirit. They would be given all things that pertained to life and to godliness. Now as the book of Acts opens, it records the life and the ministry of the early church and it emphasizes the vital role of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit mentioned some 59 times in the book of Acts. It's as if you could refer to the book of Acts as the acts of the Holy Spirit through the believers because that's truly where the power of the early church came from. It wasn't great organization, it wasn't impressive buildings, it wasn't media promotion or radio or television. None of those things were available, but the Holy Spirit was available. And I believe today that in the church that we are in need of a fresh outpouring of the work of God's Holy Spirit in order to impact the world that has been cited already over and over in our Previous studies is growing dark. The church is in need of revival. And the Holy Spirit, men, let me remind you of something this morning. The Holy Spirit has not stopped working, He is still alive and well and available and desiring to do a work in our day. And the question is not whether He can work or do that which is impossible, but rather, are we willing to humble ourselves? to repent of sin, to get right with God in our personal lives in order that he can work. To many men, they have been sidelined by sin. Some disqualified by disobedience. Others have sadly caved into a culture that lulls us to sleep and apathy. Brothers, as we look around this world, the needs are so great. The harvest is plentiful, but the fact is, as Jesus said, the laborers are few. And in order to truly impact the culture, in order to really make a difference as light and salt, then we'd have to be spirit-filled men. We need to be men that are filled with the Spirit of God. Now, it is important to understand that the Holy Spirit is not an inanimate object, an impersonal phantom, or a cosmic apparition. The Bible makes it clear the Holy Spirit is absolute deity, co-equal with father and son. A different role, but co-equal. The three are one. And the attributes of deity are ascribed to the person and the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible. The Bible references the Holy Spirit as being omnipresent everywhere, all the time. That he is omniscient. That is that he knows all things, the Bible tells us that he is also omnipotent, all-powerful, that he is eternal, and that he is sovereign. The attributes of deity are ascribed to the Holy Spirit, thus the Holy Spirit is God. And within his person, he can be lied to, he can be grieved, he can be resisted. Jesus said he can even be blasphemed. Bible also tells us that the Holy Spirit, the work that the Holy Spirit does. For example, the Bible says that he speaks. The Bible tells us that he intercedes. Romans tells us when we don't know what to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Bible says he testifies. Genesis 6, it says that he strives with man. Acts 9 says he comforts. And Acts 16 informs us that the Holy Spirit guides. The Bible also reveals to us the work of the Holy Spirit within the world. In John chapter 16, in verse 8, it says, And when the Holy Spirit comes, this is what he's gonna do. He is going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and and of judgment, of, of judgment to come, of sin because they don't believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Jesus said this is gonna be the work of the Holy Spirit within the world, convicting people of sin, pointing them to how to have a right relationship with God and reminding them of there is judgment that is coming. A day of reckoning will come. The Holy Spirit's job in the world. The Bible also testifies to the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when you read through the Old Testament, you find that the empowering of the Spirit was rare. It was an exception for certain individuals, certain leaders, certain kings, judges, prophets. You read of Samson, it says that the Spirit of God came upon him. You read of Saul, that the Spirit of God came upon him and he was changed into a different man. You read of David, the Spirit of God came upon him. You read of some of the prophets, the Spirit of God came upon them and they spoke. It was rare. There were were individuals who had this empowering of the Spirit that are mentioned in the Old Testament. But even though it was rare, this empowering, this filling of the Spirit in the Old Testament... It was promised and prophesied in the Old Testament. The book of Joel, chapter 2, Joel writes and says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. It says, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on your men servants and on your maid servants. Look at this promise. I will. Pour out my spirit in those days. So, there in the Old Testament, it is rare to see the empowering, the filling of the spirit. However, it was promised and prophesied that it would come in greater measure. This was an anticipation. This is what people were looking for, expecting. And then, when you come to the New Testament, we discover that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to every believer. It was John the Baptist who said in Luke chapter three, you remember, he was there baptizing there at the Jordan. And people were coming from every direction to repent of their sin, to go into the waters of baptism. And as John was there, John declared to all the people that were gathered, he said in Luke three sixteen, I indeed baptize you with water, but there is one mightier than I, He is coming, whose sandal strap, I'm not worthy to loose. Listen to what he says. He, speaking of Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John says, there is only so much that I can do for you. I can lead you to the water. I can bring you in. But there's something that I can't do that someone else is capable of. There's Holy Spirit power and fire that has to come when Jesus does the baptizing. I realize even as a minister of the gospel, a pastor of a church, there's only so much I can do. There's only so much I can do here today. I realize that I am incapable of producing something heavenly in and of myself. It's not by might, it's not by power, nor great sermons, but it's by his spirit, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit has got to do it in your life. That's been my prayer all morning. Last night, Lord, would you, would you bring a transformative work among the brothers there? God, would your spirit just begin to move and fall and and begin to convict hearts and draw people in and empower them? John recognized his ministry can only take people so far. But then Jesus' ministry began, and the ministry of Jesus began to eclipse the ministry of John the Baptist. Of course, John was placed in prison, eventually martyred, beheaded by wicked King Herod, but the ministry of Jesus began, and here's where you get your first opportunity, men, to turn in your Bible. I want you to turn to John chapter 7, just a few pages to the left, John chapter 7, and I want you to see this. I want to draw your attention down around verse 37. Now, at this moment, Jesus has been teaching in the temple, religious leaders are gathered around. Pharisees are confronting him as they would often do. And it says in John chapter seven, verse 37, follow along. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now pause there, gentlemen. On this last day of the feast, the priests would go down to the pool of Siloam. They would draw water from the pool of Siloam. They would walk back up, come up to the stairs, and they would come up the stairs and they would pour out water symbolically. On the last day, and there is Jesus as the water, imagine it being poured out, standing up, and saying, if anybody here is thirsty, come to me and drink. And out of your innermost being will flow, the word literally is torrents of living water overflowing. Now, John, in his gospel, he's writing this gospel looking back. And thus, he provides a commentary on what Jesus meant by those words in the very next verse. It says, But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him, notice this, would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. John the Baptist said, there's one coming that's going to baptize you with fire. Jesus shows up and says, if you're thirsty, come to me. John writes and commentates and says, listen, he was talking about the spirit that he was going to give. It hadn't been given yet because he had not yet been glorified. Turn a few pages to the right, John 14. We are cross-referencing, gentlemen, building this case for the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, look down with me in verse 15. Jesus is preparing for his death now, his resurrection and his eventual departure. And in preparing his disciples, they became extremely discouraged. They couldn't imagine life without Jesus. How could you have a kingdom without a king? How can all these things you've been telling us come to pass? They did not understand. Every time Jesus talked about the cross, they were confused, discouraged. Even Peter at one point tried to rebuke Jesus, told him, you're never going to go to the cross They just didn't understand it. They couldn't see it. Jesus would talk about his death and then he'd talk about his resurrection and they just shut down. But now in seeking to prepare them, he mentions this in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will, I love this, give you another helper and he will abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, right here, guys. He dwells, underline that, with you, and he will be, underline, in you. Jesus described for his disciples a twofold relationship that they were to have or would have with the Spirit of God once he had departed. Jesus said he will be with you and he will be in you. First of all, he'll be with you. The Greek word there is para it means beside you with you men the holy spirit is the one that seeks to draw a person to jesus christ no one gets saved without the spirit of god drawing them it's the spirit of god that convicts us it's the spirit of god i don't know when you received christ where you were but it was the spirit of god that was prompting you saying you need you need this you are a sinner Jesus is the Savior. Come to Jesus. He'll forgive you. It was all of that prompting and that drawing you in. He was with you. Even when you didn't realize it. Even when you didn't recognize it. The Spirit of God. You can look back over your life and and see just the, the faithfulness of God. Even when you weren't with God, the Spirit of God was trying to draw you. Bringing people into your life. Maybe a co-worker showed up and began to witness to you. And you were like... Whatever, get away from me. And then you went here and then somebody else and and you heard someone on the radio. And this, the spirit of God was with you, trying, attempting to draw all men to Jesus Christ. And that's how you came to Christ. He was with you. But also Jesus said, the spirit of God will be, the different word here is, it's N, in you. When you come to Christ, once you receive him, guess what happens? The spirit of God seals you. You are a child of God. Your spirit bears within this spirit. You are a child of God. He's now in you. Every individual, man, who has been born again is sealed with the spirit of God. You're sealed. The spirit of God takes up residency in your life. The Holy Spirit is in them, making home in their heart. He's with you, but he's also in you. The question is, when did that happen for the disciples? When did the Holy Spirit seal them? The answer to that is found in John chapter 20, verse 22. Here's what it says. Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. The Spirit had been in them. Jesus died. He rose again. John chapter 20, verse 22. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. I believe when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive it, they did. They were sealed. They were born again. The work on the cross had been completed. They were sealed with the Spirit. When you come to Jesus... As a new believer, again, the Spirit of God takes up residency in your heart. You are sealed with the Spirit. But man, that was not the end of the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit among the disciples. Jesus said to his disciples, there was a third aspect of their relationship to the Holy Spirit. He'll be with you. He'll be in you. They were sealed with the Spirit. But there was another element to their relationship with Christ. Luke chapter 24, verse 49, reads this way. Jesus said to his disciples, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Follow me here. Listen to this. He breathed on them. They received the Holy Spirit. And then after that, he says, Now go to Jerusalem and wait for the power of the Spirit to come upon your life. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sealed. We breathed, You breathed on us. We received it. There was something more that Jesus had for his disciples. And they were to go into Jerusalem and they were to wait for it. The Spirit was with them. He was in them. Now they were to wait. That brings us right back to Acts 1.8. Jesus said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit, here's the third aspect, comes upon you. It's a different word. The word is epi. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's what Joel prophesied in the last days would take place. It's what John the Baptist pointed to when he said, Jesus is going to baptize you with fire. It's what Jesus pointed to when he said, if you want living water, come to me. And out of your innermost being will flow torrents of living water. It's about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And on that day, when the apostles were there waiting, more than the apostles, they were waiting in that upper room there on the day of Pentecost... It says that as they were praying and as they were waiting, that the Spirit of God came through like a a rushing wind, just quick, right through, blew through that room, and the Spirit of God fell upon all of them. And of course, it says they divided tongues of fire over them, and they were proclaiming the wonderful works of God. The Spirit of God came upon the early church on the day of Pentecost. Guys, listen. The Spirit of God still wants to come upon his people. We can't redo Pentecost. That, there was one Pentecost, but there is still opportunity to be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit thereafter. It did, in other words, what I'm saying to you is it did not stop with the apostles. And you can continually observe the work of the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. You see it showing up over and over and over again. And I want you to see this for yourself because it's life changing. You go from Acts 1 to Acts 8. Just keep following me here. Acts 8. At this point, the church has begun to grow and is finally beginning to expand. And what caused the expansion was persecution. they have been staying in Jerusalem. They weren't moving out, but now persecution came. And so they began to spread out. And one of the dynamic deacons, whose name was Stephen, and the other dynamic deacon, whose name was Philip, they also were used powerfully by the Lord. Stephen, of course, was martyred for his faith, the first martyr of the church. However, Philip went down to Samaria. And the Bible says that Philip went down to Samaria and he preached Jesus to them. And there was a revival that broke out there. But notice Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Acts chapter 8, verse 14. Now, when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard... That Samaria, look at at this, had received the word of God. In other words, they were believers. They were Christians. They were born again. They sent Peter and John to them. And when they had come down, they prayed for them. Why? That they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. They were born again. They'd been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They received the word of God. But there was something yet to come upon them. They had not yet received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter and John came down and prayed over these believers and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They received it. It came upon them. That wasn't the only time. You could turn the page, Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, you know who Saul of Tarsus was, don't you? A persecutor of the church. He was confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was going to imprison more believers. He was blinded. And when he was blinded, he said, Who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? And the Lord said, Arise and go into the city, and you would be told what you should do. And as he was sitting there in a room, in a house, the Lord prompted one of his servants, whose name was Ananias, to come to where Saul was located. And at first, Ananias was reluctant. He said, Lord, uh, you know Saul of Tarsus, right? He's here to imprison Christians. As if the Lord didn't know. It's funny how we try to inform the Lord of certain things as if he didn't know. Are you aware? He knows. Ananias, go and pray for him. And so Ananias obediently goes and finds Saul there who'd been praying for three days and fasting. And the Lord during that time had shown him many things that he was gonna suffer for the sake of the gospel. The Lord said, I have called him. He's gonna preach to kings and rulers and had a whole plan for, for Saul's life. And so Ananias comes in and in verse 17 Chapter nine, it says, and Ananias went his way, he entered the house and laying his hands on him, look at what he called him, brother Saul, brother Saul. because Why? Because he was born again. He's a believer. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and what else? Be filled with the Holy Spirit he's a believer. He believes in Christ, but he had not yet received the empowering, the baptism of the Holy Spirit on his life. And so that's why Ananias was sent. He prayed over him and he received the Holy Spirit. Scales fell from his eyes and he was baptized. His life was changed. Oh, but that was not the only time that happened. Turn the page once more. Acts chapter 10, I'm going to be drawing your attention to verse 44 in a moment. Peter, one day was up on a roof there in Joppa, getting hungry. He was praying. It was about time for lunch, and he had a vision, you remember. And in this vision, there were all these unclean animals coming down in a sheet. And he heard the Lord say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, whoa, I don't... I don't eat that stuff. I can't. That's, I'm paraphrasing. I, I don't eat that. I've never eaten anything unclean. And the Lord said, hey, what I have cleansed, don't call common. That was weird. And he had the vision again. More than once. And then he heard a knock at the door. And the Lord said, there's some men here, and I want you to go with them. Doubt nothing. They were Gentiles. Turns out there was a guy by the name of Cornelius down there in Caesarea, who had been praying and and looking for truth and desiring to know God. And so the Lord was preparing Cornelius on one end there in, in Caesarea while Peter was in Joppa. So Peter goes down to Joppa and he comes in and sits with this Gentile family. And he was a little hesitant because it was uncommon and really religiously incorrect to come into a Gentile home, but the Lord had summoned Peter to go there. And so he says, what am I here for? And Cornelius said, I had this vision I was told to send for you and tell us what, what we're supposed to do. And when Peter opened his mouth and began to proclaim the gospel, immediately the spirit of God came upon Cornelius and his family. They were baptized with the spirit. And exactly what happened on Pentecost happened there. They were empowered by the spirit. And so Peter has to go home and tell his brethren what happened because they heard verse 44. Peter said, while he was speaking these words, look at this, the Holy spirit fell upon those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, that is the Jews who are with him believed. And they were astonished as many as came with Peter. Why? Because this, the gift, Oh, look at it again. It's the gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. The Spirit was poured out upon them. They received it. It came upon them. It was a gift. It was a gift. When does it happen, this baptism of the Holy Spirit? I do believe that it can happen simultaneously with a person's conversion. It can happen when you get saved. You can be baptized with the Spirit. For many others, as we see in the book of Acts, it was after. It was secondary and subsequent to their salvation experience. At Calvary Chapel, we do believe and teach in a secondary, subsequent work of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer, now, for some of you, I don't know all of your background or where you came out of, but this would be a dividing point for what we would classify as the cessationist versus the continuationist. The cessationist, and there are many godly people, great scholars of scripture, and I could name a few, but I won't, who would say, The work of the Holy Spirit, as it relates to the gifts of the Spirit, as it relates to these, it's done. It was finished with the apostles. It's done. That was a book of Acts. They look at it as a historical writing, and there's no longer the need for the gifts, they say, because they take a passage, which is crazy, they're so scholarly, but they take a passage out of 1 Corinthians that says, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. And they interpret the perfect as the perfect canonization of scripture. Now that we have the word, we don't need those gifts anymore. Those, those uh, pneumatikos, those, those spiritual gifts that you read about in first Corinthians. That was for back then, not for today. And so they dismiss it. That which is perfect is talking about Jesus. He is the perfect one. When that, which is he who is perfect has come, then there's no need for the gifts. Why do you need the gifts when you got, you got him, There's no need any longer. We're going to be like Him. But until that time, we need the gifts of the Spirit. We need the Spirit of God working within us. We need that empowering. And so for us, we are would be classified as continuationists. Now granted, there are people who get a little crazy and do things out of order. They should read 1 Corinthians. The gifts are for today. All things are to be done decently and in order. But the sad thing for me is as I see people unaware of the fact that there is a power of the Holy Spirit and they're just trying to live the Christian life in their own effort. They don't realize what's accessible to them. Like, listen, living the Christian life without the power of the Holy Spirit is is like trying to vacuum this room without plugging in the vacuum. There's a lot of activity. There's a lot of movement, a lot of sweat, but no power. You understand? That's the difference. Another example of this, and I think this is probably one of the clearest examples. This this is the Bible. Acts 19. Turn the page. Look at what it says. Acts 19. You got to see this. Paul is now on his missionary journeys. He's at Corinth. He makes his way up to the region of Ephesus. Look at Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Gentlemen, look at this. And it happened. While Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, he came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, disciples, followers of Jesus, believers, He said to them, look at his question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, then into what then were you baptized? And they said, in John's baptism. Then Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying people should believe on him, whom would come after him, that is on Christ. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and Paul laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied, and the men were about twelve in all. Again, gentlemen, they were disciples. They were believers. They were born again. They were followers of Jesus. They knew about the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ they were disciples nevertheless as paul began to interact with these men he i don't know what it was but he knew something was missing something was missing to the point where he would say to them hey quick question for you guys did you receive the holy spirit when you believed i mean what would make you think they didn't i don't know perhaps it was a lack of the fruit of the spirit in their life But Paul discerned something was missing. There was a lack of power. They did not yet understand. And so when he asked them, did you receive it? They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Sad to say there are some churches where that would be the response. We don't teach it. I know churches in our area that will teach up to a certain point and then they skip chapters and keep rolling. Why did you skip those chapters? Because you're gonna have to explain them away. That's why. But they're in the Bible for a reason. You need to teach the whole council. So they skip over those chapters that would talk about the gifts and just, let's move on. You know, let's jump over, you know, let's go right to, we'll touch the love part and then we'll go right over to the end of Corinthians 15. We'll talk about resurrection. What, why, why? Why are you dismissing this as some historical account? Something was missing. And so Paul prayed over them and they received this baptism of the spirit. The question that Paul raised to these believers in Ephesus points out, listen, men, it's possible to be a born-again believer, to be saved, to be sealed, and have not yet experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life. The whole impression we gain from this passage is that since they were believers in Jesus, the next thing that was to follow was the empowering of the Holy Spirit within their lives. The believers in Ephesus didn't know. They were unaware. But then Paul revealed to them the availability of the Spirit of God. There are many people today who sadly have not heard of the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul prayed over them, and they received. Gentlemen, the Bible exhorts us in the book of Ephesians, Paul writing... He said, be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be continually being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul drew a parallel between a man filled with wine versus a man who is filled with the Holy Spirit. When a man is filled with intoxicating drink, his behavior changes dramatically it can turn a filthy-minded man to sing hymns from his childhood. It could take a moral man and make him completely immoral. It could take a mild-mannered man and make him a violent beast. It transforms your personality when you are indwelt, when you are filled And it is very destructive. But listen, the reverse is also true if a man is controlled by, filled with the Holy Spirit. It affects his personality. It affects his character. It affects his life. It affects his sensitivity. I guarantee it'll affect your marriage and how you raise your kids if you're filled with the Spirit. Try to raise kids in this world without being filled with the Spirit. Good luck. Try to have a successful marriage without the Spirit of God's involvement. Listen, We're just spinning our wheels. When we are continually being filled with the Holy Spirit, he transforms our behavior, our speech, our life. He makes us into a different person. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. It is an ongoing process. I daily and personally ask the Lord to fill me afresh with the Holy Spirit. They did that in the book of Acts as well. When they were being persecuted, they said, Lord, fill us afresh. And it says, as they prayed, the place where they prayed was shaken and they were all filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. I daily ask for that. Lord, just a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in my life being continually being filled. And there are manifestations in the lives of those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a characteristics, things that you will notice. Why do I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life? What will be the result? For one thing, men, the power to live the Christian life. We were never made to live the Christian life in the power of our own strength or our own ability or our self-will and check this box and do this and do that. And you, 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 you. Listen, I need the spirit of God. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It is me yielding to the spirit and the spirit of God working in and through my life. The power to overcome temptation. The ability to be a witness for Christ. Christ. It brings about a change in your life. Certain gifts of the Spirit, men, that God wants to impart to us. All of them that are available. They're one and the same Spirit, distributing to each one individually as he wills. But another question that is extremely important, how do I receive this? How do I receive this baptism? You notice the word, we read it over and over. Gift, receive, gift, received it, gift. How do you receive a gift? You receive it. You ask. I know, it's pretty simple, right? I'm so glad the Lord made it simple for guys like us. Well, for guys like me anyways. Listen, here's what the Bible says. Make note of this verse, Luke eleven thirteen. 13. So powerful, this passage. If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father, here it is, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. How do I receive it? You just ask. How did you receive salvation? I asked. And by faith, I received it because of his grace. There are those I will mention who have hang-ups, troubles, struggles with receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps they've heard preaching that has said, God's Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And if you're not holy, and there's no way he's filling you, you are not gonna, you need to get holy, man, before you get the Holy Spirit. I'm like, okay, that seems like the cart before the horse because I am unholy. I know that. And I realized something. I can't make myself holy. I need to repent of my sin, come as I am, and the Holy Spirit makes his way in and begins to transform my life from the inside out. Some people want to earn it remember as a young man reading this book about this man who was desiring the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and he was just, he was going through all these things and all these things he kept doing and kept doing and the Lord, and it was all, basically it basically was all predicated upon him rather than the Holy Spirit's work. Or maybe you've heard of experiences of other people. I remember reading as a young man uh, the writings of uh, uh, Finney, Charles Grandison Finney and he talked about when he was baptized with the Holy Spirit. And he described it so poetically. He said that when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit flowed over him like waves of liquid love. You're like, man, I like it. that sounds cool. What does that feel like, you know? And I prayed, and I didn't, I didn't feel any liquid love. I didn't feel anything, you know. You like, you, somebody is very experiential, or somebody broke down and they wept, and you think, I prayed that same prayer, I didn't weep. I didn't listen, the Holy Spirit meets us where 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 we're at. You don't need to compare your experience to anybody else. You may not be an emotional person. It may not be like that for you. It may be different. Well, what what's the evidence that I have it? There are some who say the only way you know whether or not you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit is whether you have the gift of tongues, which I highly I, I completely disagree with. It is a gift not the gift. Paul said to the Corinthians, do all speak in tongues? No, they don't. Paul said, I wish you all prophesied. That would be a blessing. Wish you all had the gift of prophecy, speaking the word of God to one another. Because not everybody understands tongues. It's a unique gift given to you as a believer between you and the Lord, primarily. So that is not the one identifying gift. You You know what the gift is? You know what the evidence is of the gift of the spirit? Here it is. Oswald Chambers said it this way, a changed life, a changed life. You're a different man. Why? Because the spirit of God. And that is something that the Lord starts and the Lord continues and over time you begin to see the way you used to react, you don't react that way anymore. The things you used to say, you don't say anymore. Why? What's happening? The spirit of God is at work in your life. You used to be fearful, like the disciples hiding, not wanting to share your faith, and then suddenly the Spirit of God's upon your life, and now, like Peter, he was boldly proclaiming, didn't care what would happen, unashamed. What was the difference in Peter's life? How did he go from being a denier of the Lord Jesus Christ to this bold proclaimer of the gospel? One thing, the person and work of the Holy Spirit. It came upon his life, transformed him. Men, if we want our churches... Our ministries, our marriages, our families, to be all that God intends them to be, missionary efforts, whatever. It has to be a work of the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit. We need something imparted from heaven in order that it would bring lasting impact. I want to share with you just a personal testimony, and then I will conclude. I was 18 years old. I was at the church that I grew up in there in Costa Mesa, California. It was a chapel service my senior year. It was Spiritual Emphasis Week. And so the whole week, they just spent time talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. You know, like any 18-year-old, I well, maybe, well like I was anyway. I just really wasn't. I mean, I went to it. It was great. We got to get out of class. And, I, you know, Spiritual Emphasis Weeks, so we had longer chapels all week long. But at the end of that week, they said, hey, listen, if any of you kids want to stick around afterwards and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there's going to be a few people up here that would just going to pray for you. And at that point in my life, I was kind of, Half in, half out. I mean, I wanted to be in, but I, you know, there was definitely something missing in my life. And so I thought, well, if there's more to have, then I I need to stick around. And so there was probably a handful of kids that stayed afterwards. And we came up to the front. The whole sanctuary was empty. We were sitting on the steps. And these older folks that had been around for some time Came out, you know. You thinking, oh, Holy Spirit's gonna get crazy. You know, something's gonna happen. Someone's gonna push on my forehead or blow in my face. It's gonna make crazy. Someone who's gonna catch me. You know, these are the images that you see with the Holy Spirit. Is moving. It's always weird. No, that's just weird. <laughs> that's not the Holy Spirit. When you see it out of control, just know, like, what part of decently in order do you not understand? I think the decently in order part. You got the all things being done. Just you lack the decent. There's both. So, anyways, we're sitting there. And they came out and they prayed. It wasn't any dramatic, they changed their voice. Oh, now we're going to pray in the Holy Spirit. You know, it wasn't any change, any weird like, oh, and the Holy Spirit shows up. Oh, man, that must have been the Spirit because his voice was rattling. Why? Why does it have to be that? It wasn't anything like that. It was very simple. They prayed, Lord, we pray for these young people that you would baptize them with the power of the Holy Spirit, come upon them. Lord, impart to them the gifts of the Spirit. And gentlemen, <laughs> like a rushing mighty wind just blew through my life. I mean, it was so quick. And that day I was baptized with the Spirit. I, I have never, every time I talk about it, it's heavy. I was 18. I'm 51. I mean, I remember it like it's like it's there. I mean, it's, it's, it's real. It has, it has transformed my life. And granted, I, I didn't come out like, wow, now I'm perfect. No, no, I, there has been a process in my life that's been going on. But that day was so significant. Everything changed. The giftings of the Spirit were being imparted to me. I had no idea what God was about to do. I had no idea that God would call me into the ministry. I just, I just went up like I just need more of Jesus. That I know for sure. I know for sure I need the Spirit. And my life has never been the same. It was at that time God gave me a passage of scripture that I have lived by and continue to live by to this day. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. That just became my verse and people would ask me, "John, what are you going to do with your life? What do you what's your 5-year plan?" I'm like, "I don't I don't I have a today plan. It's Matthew 6:33. This is what I'm I'm living by." And as I would later on pastor the church, "What where do you see this church in 10 years?" I'm like, "Hopefully in heaven with the rapture. Like I don't know. <laughs> I'm just trying to get go through this thing. I'm just seeking first kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. He said he's going to take care of it. Well, what about your four kids? What about I I'm just I'm hanging on, man. Now to watch them grow up and get married and have children of their own and, you know, being married 31 years and just so grateful to, just it's the spirit, man. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm so thankful. So men, let me say this to you and I asked Pastor Ray for his permission. But maybe you're like me. Maybe you're like those in Ephesus. Ephesus. Uh, I didn't know there was such a thing as a secondary work. I, I want that. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that you'd be filled, baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit. This is where Jesus does the work. Jesus does it. And so, if there's any men like that today, why don't you, well, like we did that day so many years ago, just come right up here, blow the platform. If you want to be baptized with the power of the Holy Spirit, And I'd love to pray for you today. And maybe some of the other pastors who are who are here today, come lay hands on guys and and you know, we'll just we'll just pray for the Lord to do it, you know. If you have yet to experience that. It's something that we just like we read today, you just ask for it. And then you receive it. Gifts aren't given necessarily because we deserve them. It's because God's good and he loves us. He knows our need. He knows that without him, we can't can't do it. He knows we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be filled, to be overflowing. And this is what our wives need to see. This is what our kids need to see. This is what our, our grandkids need to see. They need to see men filled. This is what the world needs to see, men who are truly filled, overflowing with the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I would just say, take a moment and just say, just quietly in your heart, let's begin by, Lord, if there's anything in my life standing in the way of the work you want to do today, I just, I turn that over to you. Any bitterness toward your spouse, any unforgiveness, any thing that you just kind of allowed to stand in the way, just say, God, show me that. And I turn from that today. I don't want anything to block or hinder the work of the Spirit in my life. Search me, oh God. Try me, Lord. See if there's any wicked way in me. For some of you guys, maybe it's the first time you've asked. Maybe for other guys, it's like us. We're just saying, Lord, would you fill us afresh with the Spirit, Lord? Fresh oil, fresh power, God, from your presence. Lord, impart something from heaven to us today. We are desperate, God. So, man, I'm going to pray for you now. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for my brothers in Christ. Lord, you're the one that invited us to come. You said to come boldly before the throne of grace, to receive help in time of need. Lord, you said in your word that if we would ask, that you would give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. And so, Lord, for these men, who are here today. Lord, would you do what you promised? Would you fall afresh upon them? Would you baptize us with the Holy Spirit today? Lord, would you impart the gifts of the Spirit that you want to individually impart? Lord, overflow. Let the living... Living water flow in and overflow, torrents of living water today, Lord. Baptize us with the Spirit. Everything you said in Acts, Lord, we believe it still for today. We take you at your word and we say, God, I receive it. Man, I would just encourage you just in your heart before the Lord, I receive it today. Perhaps even now the Lord is giving you gifts of the Spirit, imparting them to you. Receive that in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you for the baptism and the power of the Spirit. Lord, let us walk in that, Lord. Let us in the days ahead begin to see the change and the transformation. Thank you that you begin the work in us and Lord, ultimately, you will complete that work in us. Perhaps we could just sing a song together, just praising God, just whatever, however, Lord leads you, to have, Just let's be our cry.
1: Like a rushing wind,
0: yes, Lord, thank you.
1: God. Would you breathe within? Would you hold me Because